I can remember the lesson in which my math teacher, Mr. Morgan, who always enjoyed the idea of people saying good morning to him in Germany, um, <laughs> I can remember the lesson in which imaginary numbers were introduced. And you can feel half of the class just falling away and just say, I cannot go here. It doesn't make sense. And so much of maths and what you do to make it palatable to people early on is you give real examples and all of a sudden you can't and you're forced to work in in a completely abstract sense. And personally, I just sort of thought, cool, this is exciting, this is really weird. Comedian and closet mathematician Dave Gorman was clearly seduced by the allure of imaginary numbers. But, as he pointed out, not everybody shares his passion. And you may well be one of those people that wonders what all the fuss is about. If that's the case, then over the next few minutes I hope to persuade you that, as the 17th century mathematician Leibniz put it, The imaginary number is a fine and wonderful recourse to the divine spirit, almost an amphibian between being and not being. So let's start with the basics. What is an imaginary number and where does it come from? Mathematician Ron Knott. If I ask you what number, when I multiply it by itself, gives you nine... Right, that's three. OK. Three there's times a, three There's is actually nine. another number as well, isn't there? Oh, negative three. That's it, yes. There are two of them, then, that solve that. OK, but if I ask which number, when I square it, gives you minus nine? OK. Well, it's obviously not three, because three times three is nine, and it's obviously not negative three, because negative three times negative three is nine. So we're trying to find a number which, when multiplied by itself, gives something negative. Well, we can't do it. So Ron is asking me a question that doesn't have an answer, which seems a little unfair, to say the least. In fact, the only way out is to invent a new number. We could invent a quantity called the square root of minus 1, which we write as an i, i standing for imaginary. Then what number, when squared, gives me minus 9? It will actually be 3 times this i. 3 times 3 gives the 9, and the i times the i gives the minus 1. i is the square root of minus 1. I think it is true that the square root of minus one somehow does distinguish the tigers from the boys. If you've got what it takes to admit this new number into your life, and actually saying, OK, there may be more numbers than just the numbers we see as measurements on a ruler, that power to accept new concepts is very much part of being a mathematician and making those creative leaps. You really can't believe that the number wasn't there all along. That was number theorist Marcus de Sotoy, persuading us to have faith in this new imaginary number. And that faith is crucial. As maths historian Robin Wilson explains, unless you accept imaginary numbers, then there are some equations that simply can't be solved. How about the equation x squared equals minus 1? With all the numbers that we've got so far, we can't solve that. Because if you square a positive number or a negative number, you get something positive. 2 squared is 4, minus 2 times minus 2 is 4. What? When you square it, gives you minus 1. There is no real number which has that property. So either you say these equations can't be solved, and that's what the Islamic scholars did and the Babylonians when they did quadratic equations, or else you introduce a new type of number which will then enable you to solve that equation, x squared equals minus 1, by introducing this new idea of a number which is the square root of minus 1. There's a lot of mysticism about these imaginary numbers. Are they numbers? You could actually play around with them even if you didn't understand them. It might seem bizarre to have an imaginary number, but in a way it's no more strange than a negative number. As Ian Stewart of Warwick University explains, you can't really have a negative sheep, yet mathematically it's a valid concept. If you have a field with minus one sheep you can tell because when you put a sheep in it you end up with nothing. <laughs> 
the sort of anti-sheep that uh, annihilates the sheep you add. It doesn't make sense in physical terms, but nonetheless negative numbers are very useful for all sorts of reasons. You can put them into the calculation, do the calculation using them, get to the end and the negative numbers have disappeared, and get the correct answer. Now later on things like the banking system start to realise, look, you can interpret a negative number, it's not quite a physical thing, it's a debt. Historically there always seems to be a struggle to get a, a new extension of the number concept accepted as genuine numbers. And even the terminology shows this. Imaginary numbers for square roots, imaginary, it's not real. And we still today talk of real and imaginary numbers, but we don't actually mean real in the physical sense and imaginary in the mental construct. They're all mental constructs. So there's a struggle. And the struggle with the imaginary number dates back to 16th century Italy, a time when being a mathematician was considered to be hip. The most brilliant minds competed to solve equations, and the toughest problem was solving cubic equations. Now those are equations that look roughly like x cubed plus something equals zero. Well, in 1535, Niccolò Tartaglia figured out how to solve the cubic, but he kept his method secret and recorded it within a cryptic private poem. When the cube of the things together are equal to some discrete number, find two other numbers differing in this one. Then you will keep this as a habit. OK, so great maths doesn't necessarily make great poetry, but that's not important. Enter rival mathematician Cardano. He was a knife-wielding gambling maniac. In fact, he'd once slashed the face of a man he suspected of cheating. But that aside, Cardano was desperate to find out Tartaglia's method for solving the cubic. So he turned on the fake charm, wined and dined him, and made him a solemn promise. I swear to you by God's holy gospels, not only never to publish your discoveries, but I pledge my faith as a true Christian to note them down in code, so that no one will be able to understand them. Generally a good sport, Tartaglia relents and tells Cardano his secret. But the next thing he knows is that Cardano has published the method for solving the cubic and is stealing all the credit. While the two men become bitter enemies, a chap by the name of Raphael Bombelli realises that solving the cubic equation leads to the square root of negative numbers. In short, he acknowledges the existence of imaginary numbers. But one big question remains. How on earth do you visualise this new imaginary friend? See, we have a very clear picture, I think, of what our normal numbers are. Something like the square root of 2. What you, you sort of feel you can see it on a ruler. It's somewhere between 1.4 and 1.5. And then you say, well, where is the square root of minus 1? There's no room for this new number on this ruler of numbers. And this is the wonderful discovery of Gauss at the turn of the 19th century. He built a picture which helped him to see the square root of minus 1. He said, OK, let's see, we haven't got any room on the ruler of numbers. We've got this ruler running sort of east-west. As we uh, travel further west, the numbers get more negative. As we travel east, they're more positive. And Gauss said, OK, you haven't got enough room on this ruler. Let's go in a different direction. And by broadening his horizon, suddenly he had a wonderful picture of these imaginary numbers. He said, OK, let's go one unit north, and we'll call that point the square root of minus 1. So he created this map. Now we just didn't have a line, we had a two-dimensional map of the imaginary world. And he could really see physically the imaginary numbers, square root of minus one was one unit north, other solutions to equations given by other coordinates in this map. 
And once you have imaginary numbers on a ruler that is perpendicular to the so-called real numbers, so you have a sort of grid, then you can move around the grid, mix and match real and imaginary, to get what are called complex numbers. Maths writer Charles Seif. You can plot any imaginary number on that grid. For instance, the number i is 1 up and 0 to the left or right. The number negative 1 is 1 to the left and nothing up or down. The number minus i is 1 down and nothing to the right or left. And then you can begin to mix and match. You can have sort of 3 plus 4i is 3 places to the right and 4 places up. Exactly. And the same geometric things that happen with the number line happen with the number plane. For instance, if you add things, it's like shifting the plane. It's like hopping either up or to the right or uh, diagonally depending on what number you add. And you start seeing things moving around in angles. And you can draw pictures in your mind of what's happening to the number system. It's extremely powerful and it gives a great intuitive feel to mathematicians to see what's going on. Just the creation of this one new number, suddenly you were able to solve all equations involving combinations of this new number called i and our ordinary numbers. So it was quite a relief, I think, for mathematicians because we were going to have to create new numbers for every single equation. We were going to soon run out of letters in the alphabet very quickly. Mathematicians study numbers because it's intriguing, stimulating, exciting. In other words, it's great fun. But often the results of playful abstract inquiry can have a practical payoff. And that's exactly what happened with the imaginary number. If you're doing engineering, you cannot get by without these complex numbers. Even the equations in your textbook are full of square root of minus one. It's in a sense the complex numbers were sitting there waiting to be the mathematics of waves. And those could be radio waves or radio electrical waves. waves electrical or waves, exactly the sort of things that an electrical engineer is going to be worrying about. So whenever wave phenomena come in, the complex numbers turn up. And, according to mathematician Greg Chaitin, imaginary numbers underpin the mathematics of quantum mechanics, the fundamental physics that governs the universe. I is everywhere, because in, in quantum mechanics you deal with probabilities, but they're very funny probabilities. It's not just how likely something is. In quantum mechanics, probabilities have a direction as well as a likelihood. And normally, with normal probabilities, if you add a new way something can happen, it becomes more likely always. But with quantum mechanics, if, if you have some physical situation and then you add a new way that it can occur, sometimes that can make it less likely because uh, in quantum mechanics, probabilities are imaginary numbers. That is to say, they have direction as well as magnitude. And if two probabilities point in the opposite direction, then they cancel each other out. So, so we, we couldn't calculate quantum probabilities without imaginary numbers. Exactly. Quantum probabilities are called quantum amplitudes, and they're imaginary numbers. And so I is right in there. If imaginary numbers are at the heart of quantum mechanics, then presumably they are an inherent part of the universe. Or are they merely a mathematical construct? In other words, were imaginary numbers discovered or invented? Oh, well, that's the key question, one of the key questions in the philosophy of mathematics. Some mathematical concepts seem so necessary that you think that if, if someone hadn't invented them, someone else would have, or, or something similar. There's an inevitability to these. Yeah, numbers. but some mathematical concepts don't seem that necessary. They seem more like artistic creation. I've spoken to some mathematicians, and they talk about mathematics as being a game, whereby you make up some rules, 
and then you just see what results. And the games that result are sort of the theorems. Is, is that yes, a fair that's way to one view. It? That's one view, but mathematicians will only choose a game that's beautiful, and there's, there's more than that. Mathematics and physics really co-evolved, and a lot of mathematics was either suggested or was invented in order to, to do physics. So, so if I'm a mathematician, I want to come up with some new rules and play some new games. One, it has to be an interesting, beautiful game if anyone's going to listen to me. And exactly. secondly, it has to somehow kind of tie in with the real world if, if again, well, that physicists helps. are going to listen to me. And mathematicians don't like to admit it, but if you look back at the history of mathematics, a lot of important mathematics was developed because it seemed to be a pattern or a game that nature or God also plays, not just a game that one mathematician invented one Sunday. <laughs> afternoon when he had nothing to do. Mathematicians seem to be continually inventing or discovering new numbers. Negative numbers, zero, fractions, irrationals and imaginary numbers. As far as the German mathematician Leopold Kronecker was concerned, the simple counting numbers were created by God. All else is the work of man. Which makes me wonder what other numbers will emerge. If real numbers can be thought of as a ruler in one dimension and imaginaries lie on a ruler in a second dimension, is there another type of number in the third dimension? The natural place to go to turns out not to be three dimensions, but four, with two more new gadgets as well as the imaginaries. And these were called the Quaternions. They were invented by William Rowan Hamilton. There's a story he got so excited when he invented them that he carved the equations into the stonework of a bridge. So almost every century a new type of number seems to be invented. With accelerating speed as you get to modern times, and it's not actually finished, there's still some new ones floating around, the number system is not simply fixed forever, it's something people are constantly adding to. And that's the crucial message. Mathematics is a dynamic subject, with new numbers continually entering the arena. It might take a month, a year or a decade, but sooner or later, a 21st century Bombelli will discover yet another new number, perhaps hidden down the back of some hyperdimensional sofa.